Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us for segment 3.5 of Polyvox, Armchair Analysis. <laughs> I don't have any corrections for last session, thankfully, so we can dive right in. Enjoy! So yeah, hello. What? <laughs> we're, what? <laughs> we've we've done we've done a we've done that was a shorter module. I, I, yeah. I, I. It's kind of funny because I I wrote it, um, I wrote it and I was like, oh, this will be this will totally be two hours because it was the same amount of of like text on the page, but <laughs> um, I guess I guess not. This is this is gonna be a this is gonna be an interesting learning curve, um. I guess uh, one of the another candle I had to blow out. <laughs> one of the many one of the many things I'm going to have to learn as a DM is how to manage time uh, and interactivity. Um, so that is something I'll I'll work on. But hopefully, uh, hopefully y'all still enjoyed yourselves in this uh, hiking episode. <laughs> <laughs> hiking episode. This isn't the beach episode. No, this is not the beach episode. No, not the beach the episode. Yeah. Um, it's good to it's good to uh to to be back. We had to we had to take a little break from from recording on on um Monday. Um, so this is our like makeup episode. Um, so maybe it's maybe it's good to have recorded a, a shorter one actually. But um. Uh. We have we have everyone here for our analysis portion. It's good to have you back, Connor. Um, I actually I wanted to get to something you mentioned in episode one way back like two and a half weeks ago. Um, oh. There was you said like cruel t- takes control of his personality and existence with origami, like as a <laughs> gift slash transactional performance art. <laughs> Which is so powerful. <laughs> I think last time I last time we talked about that, I zeroed in on the gift aspect of that, like as like an anthropological like subdiscipline of like, oh yeah, anthropologists talk about gifts all the time. But like this time, I actually wanted to like identify the act briefly as like a very like Judith Butler narrative of identity performance, uh-huh. like resignifying mm. yourself as a giver, a benevolent, and wanted to like get your thoughts on that. Uh, I mean, I think, um, I, I think this is something that I've been sort of just talking about <laughs> a, a, a bits and pieces that, like, Cruel's first, like, um, it, 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 it's partly a mixture of me, um, for lack of a better term, dicking around with, like, <laughs> what I'm, what, <laughs> what I'm allowed to get away with, but also... It's, I think, part of what Cruel does, like, his first instinct when he meets a new person is, um, with the exception of the, you know, the case where he's almost dead and dying from exhaustion, is to, like, would you like some origami? And I think that, like, he's, he's, um, he's conscious of, like, how like there isn't really anyone around who is like him and there are people um but people know of shades and they sort of know that like 
like, like the the governor was just sort of like oh well they're just bad luck they're like mm -hmm. spreading rumors attributing like uh false <laughs> things to them of like oh they're unlucky mm -hmm. they're just like bad to be around and i think he does that to sort of while i don't know if he would like ever comment on that i don't know if he would be someone who's just like I, th I think he's more the kind of person to like disarm through small through humor and through these little origami gestures of like here here is something you don't owe me anything right. now you you have something yeah and now my status has changed a little right. bit i hope yeah it's like kind of transformative and it, it's it's worth noting i think also that like benevolent the word benevolent literally comes from the latin bene for good or kind and volere for want um or to intend <laughs> so like a benevolent person is like a good intentioned person and right. um the vibes i'm getting off of cruel is that he's intentionally performing kindness for people so that they don't see him as a monster um right and it's kind of like um i was just watching like a philosophy tube video i was watching uh abigail thorne's coming out video um, hmm. on Philosophy Tube, and she cites um, Audre Lorde a lot. Um, hmm. uh, her, like, uh, um, Zami, a new spelling of my name, a biomethography, and talks a lot about how, like, um, Audre Lorde is always talking about how, like, um, uh, her performance of her identity is very, like, much interrelated to how how other people see her as racialized, but also, like, how she can perform within that structure to like um to kind of re re-signify like whatever portions of that like narrative people hadn't questioned yet like right. i don't know if that that makes sense but i i'm probably not explaining it very very well because i haven't read that book yet but <laughs> i do have sister outsider here and there's a lot of really really cool speeches in that it's a it's a great book and we read we read a couple of those um in in professor kim's myth ritual performance class uh -huh. um that was that it's it's a great great book um what was it called again uh which one um zami uh yeah the just the one that you were like it's a great great <laughs> oh uh book both both of them i assume are great but the one that i've actually read and confirmed is great is sister outsider <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> um yeah uh so yeah uh, i was actually i was just driving my mom to the airport and she was asking about like i forget what she was I, I, she may not even have asked um <laughs> i was probably just going off on a rant <laughs> but <laughs> i was talking about this uh because i had just watched the philosophy tube video and i was like yeah you know descartes uh confirmed his identity because he isolated himself and um even from his own body and how he like he thought his mind was made made of mind juice and like um <laughs> like <laughs> he's not wrong yeah <laughs> you know the think juice the think juice but then audrey lord comes around and she's like well you have to be kind of secure in your identity and yourself to wonder if other people exist <laughs> and like <laughs> interesting <laughs> and like <laughs> And her whole construction is out of other people. Her whole construction is, like, out of how other people see her because because she's constantly being, like, put down by, by other people's conceptions of what a black lesbian mother should should 
should operate in the world, how that, how that should operate. Like, Mm. you know, um, and, uh, and, and how she can find her way through those narratives and, and, and re-signify herself, um, through those narratives. And, um, and so like a lot of, a lot of how cruel, um, becomes different through, I don't, I don't think we've really explored a lot of how like other characters, like how non, how NPCs are seeing cruel so much besides the governor, <laughs> which wasn't featured in this show so much, but right. Um, I, I, I think we know that like, I mean, cruel, he's got that necklace that of shades of, right. of, of a shade, um, which I choose to imagine is just like a puka shell necklace yeah. that you get at like a state fair or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, um, I, 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 I think, and I don't want to like, you know, <laughs> here's what I think about these NPCs that I had no hand in creating. <laughs> um, You're allowed. You can do that. Um, uh, I, j- I think that, like, the... <laughs> j- just because they haven't said anything of, like, oh, like... That is a shade. I haven't seen many shades that around, <laughs> like j- because they're not actively talking about like. Yeah, they're not um, Skyrim NPCs. They're yeah, not going to exactly. be like <laughs> exactly. you wood elves in your sneaky hands. Like they don't <laughs> right. say this. Like that's, <laughs> right, that's right. not how they talk. <laughs> they're not just going to look at me. At least I hope not, and go like, "Hey, you're bad luck," <laughs> or like, "Hey, you're weird." Um, but I-, I feel like. Just just because people aren't being like that, I feel like there is sort of a like I'm I'm certainly taller and mm-hmm. something of a, a a rarity and I would assume that I look like pretty dissimilar to like the average uh elf or dwarf or or human character that like yeah. I I, I just the fact that I sort of stand out alone, I feel like Cruel is cognizant of, and is like, yeah. maybe, maybe I should uh, make origami. <laughs> All right, so uh, episode three, what, what do we have? Like, I feel like this was a short episode, but still quite a lot happened. And even though I didn't let you guys do much outside the linear path that I prescribed for you, um, was there anything that you noticed character-wise, world-wise, or otherwise that you'd like to get into? We're a little bit paranoid. You're paranoid? Just a little. I, I mean, that, what was it? It was the doorway garden? Or the... The gateway, the gateway. grove. Gateway, gateway grove. grove. First of all, hell yeah. Hell yeah <laughs> name. Not, not to be confused with the gateway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, very different places. Um, but <laughs> I, f- for some reason, my mind, like when I was just pre- envisioning like this garden, my mind immediately went like, ah, yes, very well, like manicured, like hedges and shrubs <laughs> and like topiaries and oh, like. No. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine a mushroom topiary, though? That would, that would be, be cool, cool as shit. shit. I am very curious just to see. And also the fact that, like, um, Foxglove uh, 
Which, by the way, the Fox Love's name I thought was interesting, just because everyone else has been like uh, Tosk, Keely, the Signet, and like, and and then oh, Foxglove. Right. Like that name stuck out to me in a really, in a really, really interesting way, and. I think it's like a. I think it's an alter ego or like a mm. like a. Not a stage name, but a pen name. Pen right. name. There we it, go. Like like the Scarlet Pimpernel or something. <laughs> I don't know why that was the only the first. <laughs> my... Or or Bob yeah. Dragon. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh. We lost. Uh, we lost Lindsay. We lost Lindsay. Oh. They were offended oh. by my Scarlet oh, no. Pimpernel. <laughs> we're back. You know what, I accidentally, I was closing a tab and I closed the wrong oh, no. one. Oh, no. Mm, mm-hmm. I was looking up, anyway, I was picturing, um, like, the Night Elf starter zone in World oh. of Warcraft when we were in the Gateway Glen, <laughs> and I wanted to look up, um, what it was called. Teldrassil. Uh, and then I closed that tab, and then I closed oh. this tab, but I was picturing Teldrassil. <laughs> I still, I, I never played World of Warcraft, and I feel like I missed out on a lot it my sister used to play world of warcraft but i don't think she'll (laughs) (laughs) but now all our listeners now now all three of our listeners know (laughs) (laughs) all three of our listeners oh yeah all three of us know (laughs) (laughs) all three of us and our and my professor (laughs) (laughs) um yeah uh I was thinking of the Gateway Grove as like um, kind of the underworld. Ollie picked up on that last uh, last session uh, with the pomegranates, um, and also as kind of a liminal space. Um, not in like the meme way where like people take pictures of like abandoned basements. It's such a liminal space, yeah. bestie. Getting, leaving a movie theater and it's dark out. Uh, this is so liminal. Like no. <laughs> I mean, like maybe I don't Not know. Everything is a liminal space. <laughs> like, like maybe, maybe like if you have like I, I don't know like if you're if you're like preparing for like your bar mitzvah at, like the movie theater or something and you're like I, I don't know like what is it what? like you're, you're like transitioning to adulthood in your in the movie theater in the split second. <laughs> As you cross that threshold. In that, <laughs> in that bar mitzvah you're having at the movie theater. <laughs> I know, like... As, as, as tradition. tradition. <laughs> I know, that's what I was thinking. And then you go get Chinese food after and celebrate Christmas. <laughs> I know, I was trying to think of, like... I was trying to think of, like liminal liminal events and the first thing that popped into my head was a bar mitzvah and i was like wait a second we were talking about movie theaters 10 seconds ago (laughs) like as soon as you as soon as you exit the movie theater then like on you you become a man like as soon as you step out that door oh my god then i'm dying um (laughs) But yeah, no, like like an actual like liminal space, like a like a threshold, like um, like uh, I mean, lim- liminal comes from the Latin limen, which means threshold. Um, uh, I wanted to think about the trees that aren't quite dead, um, partially just because I thought that was cool. <laughs> like I wrote that and I was like, yeah, that's cool. How can I backform this into philosophy? <laughs> 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 
um, I don't know. Like, what did you guys think about the Gateway Grove as like a space of transitions, a space of um, of being not really belonging to any one particular place? I thought that was a really uh. cool idea, because like you keep mentioning that. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but something about mushrooms needing to spread mm-hmm. out. Uh. And I was kind of reminded mm. of that. There's a very specific, and I apologize if this is tangential, but it reminds me of a very obscure thing from uh, DC Comics. Um, it's called uh, Danny oh? the Street. If anyone is familiar with doom patrol comics they're very weird but (laughs) basically danny is a sentient like street like uh uh, i have yeah yeah it 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 sort of manifests as like this um i want to say like a main street usa but like it's always having like a ticker tape parade um and it will appear in random in places where it thinks it like people need happiness if so it just sort of like makes room for itself in the world and like uh not in a way that is disruptive but in a way that is just sort of like yes i will show here and i will eventually leave and move on to the next place so it's just very <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> um, it's a very, it's a very good. Danny, Danny's a good boy. He's a good street boy. But it, <laughs> it just reminded me of that, of especially the like going random, like showing up in different spaces, and mm-hmm. also that thing where Foxglove was just like, um, almost out of fear <laughs> of just like. We don't know where, like, the captain could... I think, didn't the captain, like, run into the the grove? And, mm-hmm. it, yeah, just that... I, it made me think of, like, oh, this is... Is this something to be feared? Or is this more, like, a neutral... It, is it just is? Or right. is it a threat in the way that, like, um, something in nature is, like, poisonous? <laughs> like i don't know yeah well that's that's a good that's that's honestly a a great point i mean um how do i want to format this thought that is forming in my head um (laughs) this this idea of like threats threats that can be protective like Mm -hmm. um we don't know we don't know what Tosk is thinking or if she's thinking really in the same way that she used to. Um, but we do know that we do know that she's, she's run into the gateway grove and that Foxglove is afraid that if you follow her in there, you'll get lost forever. Mm. Um, and maybe that was the point. Like, maybe that was the point of why Tosk ran in there. Maybe, like, maybe Tosk isn't thinking straight, or maybe she super is. And maybe she's like... <laughs> Would rather be literally anywhere. Yeah, maybe she, maybe, maybe she knows yeah. how to get through the Gateway Grove. 
Mm. Who knows? Like that, there's that, that just that gets me. Oh. Yeah. What were we gonna say? No, no, no. What? What's up? I don't know. That gets me. That gets me thinking about um. Like, something that has been. Some like something that's come up, for me for me a lot, which is the the idea that of like, escapism as being, like low key suicidal. Ah. Mm. Oh. Um. Like, the Im- like, you know, this is like a very meme popular thing, right? But like, oh, the impulse to disappear into the woods with a cabin and never be- interact with anyone or be perceived ever again, like, can only happen if you dismantle everything about your current life as it right. stands. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it is, it is, uh, like, the fact that it, it's, it's pretty much impossible means that that impulse is really only self-destructive, even as it is, um, like, creative in its way, but, uh, you know, I, and I guess from there you could extrapolate for anything to become creative in its way. It has to destroy the circumstances that warranted creativity. So, yeah, I mean, it reminds me of that book Into the Wild um, about that guy, uh, Chris McCandless, um, who uh, decided like he was this wealthy guy who decided to like suddenly and almost like, well, actually, yes, um, suddenly and very self-destructively redistribute literally all of his wealth so that he didn't have anything left and then um, and then travel to Alaska and live off the land. But he didn't know anything about living in the wild. And mm-hmm. he starved himself to death. Right. Like, happy people no. don't do that. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah. Like, it's a... I, I, yeah. Like, I know I know this is, like, an... Like, uh... For sure. It, it's, like, uh level two suicidality once you beat the the you know the starting area it's like all right what are the more complex forms that are arising in people's lives and it is like very often this type of like life destroying escapism and it's 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 also like that that can manifest in some socially destructive ways too like this idea of Mm -hmm. um the kind of eco-feminism idea can be very socially destructive. It can turn into eco-fascism. It can turn into mm-hmm. like, like when, when those types of like kind of escapist, like cottage core, like things organize around that sort of aesthetic, it can turn into eco-fascism pretty easily. Um, the whole like, Oh, we'll just, we'll, we'll all just form a commune in the woods and it'll be fine. Like, like, that's colonialism, love. Yeah, XX. that's you sound like the pilgrims it, right it now. It won't be fine. Whose land is that? <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the pilgrims. Like they did that. That's what they did. You want to do that? <laughs> um, yeah. So and and you know and it presupposes a pretty like stable state of existence in general to be able to get to that point in in the first place. Um, so it's like, uh, um, yeah, so that, that, that's a good point. I, I, I didn't consider that, that, that whole like escapism, um, thing where like, 
I mean, survival is hard. <laughs> people don't, people don't, people take that for granted. Survival is really tough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. uh, and escape is not always fun. <laughs> as much as, as much no. as people like to romanticize CC, yeah. Uh, citation, Sabina Spielrein on destruction as the cause of coming into being. Right. Um... So yeah, uh, another another fun, let's see, another fun thing about uh, the Gateway Grove. Oh, right, so the petrified trees that aren't quite dead. So like, I kind of wanted to look at it as like fossils, because, well, sort of, because fossils are interesting to me, I, just, I love them. Um, partially I like blurring the line between organic and mineral processes. Because the way the petrified wood works in real life, it's a fossil of wood, water drips across de decaying wood and deposits minerals across the cell structures, and then the cells disappear, and you're left with just the stone. But the way that this works is a little different. Um, those trees that you guys just encountered are more like bones, or shells. They're like cells that have ossified and coexist with minerals. And when I was writing this, I think I was wrestling very much with the tensions between something crystalline and frozen and rigid versus something organic and flexible. Um, also, they're aspens, which, by the way, are not exactly individual trees. They're rhizomes themselves. Um, they share roots. Um, I based the Gateway Groove on a forest in Utah that's actually one big clonal colony of male aspen tree, which is called Pondo, which means I spread in Latin. It occupies uh, 108 acres of land. Ah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it does. It's estimated to weigh 6 million kilograms. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. Which is 13 million pounds. Wow. Um, it's wow. also one of the oldest living organisms on the planet. So, yeah. Damn. It's it's a crazy place. Like, I want to go to this forest. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, so what brings you to Utah? I'm like, I'm here to see the spreading, the fucking, the woods. Bring me. <laughs> Bring me to your oldest <laughs> organism. <laughs> Bring me to your, to your leader tree. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this place kind of took you somewhere seemingly very important. It like kind of has a sentience that I hope to explore. Um, Mm. I wanted to see how y'all think about the interaction between like this very territorializing concept like a rhizome which like really stakes out a territory and spreads Pondo I spread mm. versus a liminal space a gateway that doesn't really exist for itself or even by itself only between other things um, I don't know what, what do you guys think about that I feel like it, it it's drawing on such a hype tension between like materiality and interstitiality, right? So like when we think about the systems of social relations that we have with each other, uh, you know, we can approach it from we can we can we can approach it from a material perspective which is how are all the individual 
uh, bodies functioning within those social relations, or we can look at it from an interstitial perspective, which is what are the nature the nature of uh, only the relationships between those things, um, and it just kind of you know the the presentation of the vines and the shrooms as foils of each other does kind of underscore that um, a robust analysis of of both of these things are necessary in order to understand the the world around you you have to understand what things are and also how they relate to and understand each other you have to have an ontological and epistemological perspective on all things no one um like no one assertion about the way things are tm will ever serve you because there are simply too many things to be able to make a generalization about the way things uh, are i was just thinking about um <laughs> for some reason i walked past my calendar and it said like um commonwealth day on one of the days in march Common and i was like oh isn't that convenient how so many countries have the same holiday for commonwealth day and then uh, that thought flashed through my mind and i was like you idiot you fucking moron i was like england canada australia the uk what do those countries have in common and i was like the queen <laughs> the queen <laughs> Thatcher. <laughs> Thatcher. My old nemesis. The queen. I was just like, literally, you know, why, why, you know, like, like the thought process. It was so funny. It was so funny because the thought process was like, wouldn't it be so confusing if we had to celebrate every country's holidays? <laughs> I was like, no, because you wouldn't have to celebrate every country's holidays. You just have to, like, you just have to figure out which ones were important to you. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, that. that's such a thing, though. Like, if you look at an empire, uh, you can analyze every state for every state for what it is. You can, or you can analyze those, the fact that those are all, uh, you know, under colonial control. But neither of those lenses will ever be sufficient. Right. Like. Yeah. Exactly. Thank. <laughs> thank you for. Thank you for. Re. Recentering that so within your. Yeah. That's what I was trying to yeah. say. <laughs> I was trying to. I was. A, a common. Yeah, yeah. A common ground within that framework there. <laughs> a commonwealth is the sum of its parts, but it is also. How those parts uh and kick the shit out of some of the other <laughs> yeah. parts. England. I hate England. England. I saw your tweet. No I saw one. your tweet. <laughs> I hate England. I hate England. Multi. Okay. This is. It's, uh, I'm going to permit myself one distraction. Uh, Maltese people need to hate England more. People are. People just like bootlick for England. And I'm like, why? <laughs> why? They let us get bombed so many times. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I also. I also. Like, like I replied to your tweet, I both agree with you and wish to broaden your scope to everyone should hate England more. <laughs> <laughs> England. Why not everyone? <laughs> we should, we should like, 
we should have like a targeted focus on like like yes both both the both both your target audience of the Maltese should hate England more and everyone should hate England more. <laughs> yes and. Let's yes expand. and. <laughs> let's, <laughs> yes. let's have let's there's there's so much there's so much England hatred. This this this, this podcast is not a safe space for the English. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that thing uh, on Tumblr uh Steven Universe Pearl hates the Irish. <laughs> no. Oh my oh, god. god. <laughs> Just all this like doctored Steven Universe content with Pearl expressing anti-Irish sentiment. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh Pearl god. hates the Irish. Did you did you not watch the show? Pearl hates the Irish. <laughs> it's it's, stop. it's intrinsic oh to god. the lore. Her hatred of the Irish. <laughs> one of one of one of my former roommates kept making references to that, and I had no fucking clue what they were talking about. Later. It's a Tumblr thing. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's. Oh, sorry, I'm rambly. I'm just very stressed. I'm very sorry. That's okay. No, mm-hmm. don't worry. It's okay. I'm very, very distracted. So don't it's... worry about it. Um, but yeah, uh, that's that's that was that was that was an excellent point. I I think the the whole idea that was kind of the the impetus behind this. Um, that was the thing I wanted to explore essentially with the Gateway Grove. Like I wanted to explore something like. A liminal space that is also territorializing. Like, if it if it touches you, have you always been touched? Like, I have always, I have always been someone who has been to the Gateway Grove. But does that mean anything? Like, I got out. <laughs> that that means something. <laughs> like, that's something that you like. You survived the Gateway Grove once. You're gonna have to survive it again to get back to where to where you need to go. But like, you know. So everyone who everyone who's been to this place in the middle of the forest has survived the gateway. Who can tell you about it has survived the gateway grove at least twice, which means not a lot of people have seen this place that you are looking at right now, which is important. It means it's kind of sacred, and that's like that's a big deal within um, within uh, one of the classes that Connor and I took. Um, uh, myth ritual and performance we talked a lot in the beginning of the semester that that semester of uh um profanity and sacralization and how they're kind of two sides of the same coin mm. the sacred and the profane yeah. <laughs> and how it's like it's, it's it's an action that you take to kind of ritualize something into a different meaning a different context um and that's you know that that's important to a lot of people. Um, Victor Turner, a structuralist, talks a lot about liminal phenomena. He tries to distinguish them from what he calls liminoid. He's mostly concerned with like why liminality is what he calls eufunctional, or why the sort of um, anti-structure of the liminal actually reinforces social normativity, which is analysis mm-hmm. that has its merits, but isn't really my goal in this module of the game. Because he's really but interested, in you... uh, by the way, in this model of anti-structure permeating being at the heart of structural models, especially in his early writings, which is something I found really compelling. He has, like, this kind of almost Taoist model of, like, the empty hub of the wheel, um, which is pretty cool. Uh, and When you say you fun- Yeah, you oh, functional like, uh, like true function. Do you mean, like, you functional or, like, like EU, EU functional? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, EU functional. Not like use guys. Not, not, not usins. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> <Yins. Yins. laughs> um, but no, I, I invoke Turner more in terms of his musings about like flow and what he calls communitas. Um, he talks about these communitas states as separated into three categories. Spontaneous, which happens all of a sudden and without rules ideological which is essentially what happens when people try to recreate spontaneous communitas with structure and rules by themselves and then normative which is what happens when an entire society is organized around creating types of communitas with social mores and hierarchies so mm -hmm. like spontaneous communitas which is often kind of the most desirable type especially retroactively a lot of people find this feeling of flow and Turner describes flow as attributed by a few things, a merging of action and awareness, a centering of attention on a limited stimulus field. Like you guys in the forest were kind of centered on your region in the forest. You didn't really have awareness of what was outside of it. Um, a loss of ego, um, a feeling of control over one's actions in the environment, coherency to both the demand for action and the feedback for that action. So like if you're in a game of baseball and you feel the bat connect with the ball. Um, you feel like the action of you swinging the bat was connected somehow to the feeling of the bat connecting to the ball. Like you feel like you caused that action intrinsically somehow, um, which you did in some way, but like right. in another way, the ball was coming at you and you, you part of it was that you aimed oh. properly. <laughs> and then <laughs> the last thing is that it's autotelic. It needs no goals or rewards outside itself. So I wonder if any of that like reminds you of your experiences in character this session or any session really. Like flow is something I want to attack more thoroughly throughout the campaign. And I'm gonna be asking you this question more regularly as time goes on. Um, just like, did it flow? And like, occasionally I'll remind the listeners what that means, but less like, comprehensively than I did just now. Um, uh, and uh, I, I wondered, like, was there, were there times when you guys felt you had to break flow or times when you really felt like you were in flow or uh, what did you notice about those times? I have two thoughts. Mm -hmm. One is I find that for for us and in my experience in theater, as as related to my experience in theater as well, um, flow tends to correlate with a faster pace, which you might find ironic, which you know people might find ironic, um, but so I I, I guess flow also correlate like flow maybe enables a faster pace by requiring less time and space to uh be self-conscious about our own actions mm -hmm. yeah my other thought was that um i tend to find in this campaign i lose the flow type feeling, which again, I'm very familiar with from theater work, but I lose the flow type feeling when 
it starts looking like, uh, you know, earth politics. When earth politics get involved, um, again, to, to draw on theater language, because I think theater is so about flow and is so about communitas, um, but to draw, to again, to draw on theater language, when the, like, when, when we're asked to consider circumstances outside of the given circumstances of the action, I think my brain gets a little, gets a little confused as to what right, we're right. doing. Okay. Cool. That is good to know. Um, it's not only, not only is that good to know as a DM so that I can not do that, but also it's good to know as just like notes for. Oh, yeah. Or, or feel free to do it or, or feel free to do it. It's not like a bad thing necessarily. It's just like, no, oh, I know. when I, ref you know, yeah. Yeah. I like, I, I think, well, now I'm pursuing ideological communitas. <laughs> I'm pursuing, like, now I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm asking about spontaneous communitas so that I can pr pursue ideological communitas. But, um, uh, but uh, it's good to know, um, not only as a DM, but also just as like, what kind of what kind of experiences generate flow in a game, like in a story. That's that's a that's a cool that's a uh, that's a cool note when you think about like, well, this is reminding me too much of like, real life. <laughs> This is reminding me too much of, of I, Earth. Yeah. I think it's not even the fact that it's Earth so much as, like, like Irsu doesn't know this. Irsu doesn't know about Antifa. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a disruption in, like, the immersion of uh, of the character, I guess. I see, I see. So it's, it's like, it's harder. It's it's disrupting the flow of the, of, of, of the process of acting. Yeah, which in this case is analogous to playing. In this case, is analogous to playing. I see. Okay. And that doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. That doesn't mean it's like a bad thing that you should not do. It just right. is just like a, a a function of the the world. Okay. Cool. That is interesting. I will. I will one hundred percent take that into account, though, because that that is interesting. Because I, I did wonder, like, when I was saying that, I was like. Is that something I should save for analysis? Because, um, because you're right. Like, Irsu doesn't know what Antifa is. Like, I'm. This is when when Irsu is asking when I'm doing a history check. If I'm maintaining kind of the like gameplay purity of what of what history check means. This is Irsu remembering information that they already know. Yeah, and it's like it's like Lindsay Brain jumps in yeah. and has to fill in the, fill and fills yeah. in the gaps. So I guess yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to consider about how much gameplay purity I want. But um, that is a useful consideration. So that's I guess it's it's good that we we had that note. Um, yeah. What what about what what about you, um, Ali? What 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 did what did you think about like flow and 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 what kinds of um, experiences did you have, uh, either acting as Elion or or acting with um, with 
like the narrative or or in the world um was there was there anything that you found um that that resonated with you in terms of like loss of your ego um centering of attention on limited stimulus field anything like that i think a lot of uh well a lot of the the experiences i sort of had to try and like immerse myself in as much of i don't know how to explain this but the times that When you're talking flow, you mean like energy flow? Like, um, or yeah, like, uh, the way how, um, the way how when people are playing and like time kind of flows differently around them and, um, and like yeah. when, when people are, or like when you're acting or when you're in a, in a, in a game of, of like when you're playing when you're when you're doing like a, a game of sports or whatever a game of sports <laughs> you can tell i don't do sports <laughs> i think i think a lot of i think a lot of the flow quite honestly is like damned and that's entirely my fault i think because i lose focus oh. so often but the times where i am in like in the in like focus mode and the times that I'm actually able to like really immerse myself into the role uh I think a lot of it I think I find a lot of it resonates with me okay. somehow uh especially I mean of course like uh I'm able to draw experiences from uh the fact that Elian and I are both biracial mm -hmm. for example and I'm also able to uh I'm also able to formulate reactions based on experiences based on what my personal experiences are with situations similar and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so in, in those situations, I think the flow is a little okay. smoother. That's cool, and, actually. I, it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's interesting to contrast a little bit the processes that, um, um, <clears throat> that, that you and Lindsay have been describing because um, it sounds like your, your, your process is a little bit more like relying on your life experiences to fill in some of the, um, the parts of your character that maybe like you need to, you need to lean on your life experiences sometimes a little bit to get, to, to get your character like moving sometimes. And that's mm -hmm. like that's another perfectly valid way to do a character. Like, <laughs> like this is mm -hmm. this is D and D. Like I'm like I'm I'm not like I'm not like I I I don't I I I don't want I don't want everyone be, to be doing like the Shakespearean school of D and D. Like this is um... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all I do. <laughs> school of everything. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like I I think. I think that's really cool actually to have people approaching character um from different mindsets 
like I don't think I don't think anyone's truly playing like a self-insert character but like if they were that would be really cool actually <laughs> like I think to an extent uh Elyon might be a well when I first played Elyon I wanted to play something someone a little more true to my okay. personality not necessarily not necessarily the front that I sometimes try and put out when I'm acting like I've I've never played a bad guy, but I'd like to play a bad guy at some point, and I play a lot of those right. in D&D. Well, people who are supposed to be, like, at least morally mm-hmm. ambiguous, but uh, I think Elyon was supposed to be more like a, more of a sunny personality, more, uh, more like me uh-huh. in that way. But also, I ended up uh, adding some things that were also, that were also pretty relatable in different ways. Uh, so that was accidental, but... I mean, parts of it were accidental, parts of it yeah, weren't. Yeah, well, I, I think it's it's nice, I think. I, it, it worked well. And, and I think when, when you when you do end up leaning on, on your life experiences, um, like you said, as a biracial person, to, to get into flow as a character, um, uh, that that works perfectly well. Like, when you were talking to... When Elion was talking to Tosk mm-hmm. about, like, your shared experiences as half-elves, and, like... and and yeah, like yeah. Tosca was like, you know, she was kind of opening up about like, you know, she feels kind of trapped between the political conflicts between humans and elves. And you were like, yeah, you know, um, part of the reason why I left where I came from. And, and just in that little moment, yeah. like this, this kind of spark kind of came out. And, and then mm-hmm. in post-session, th- it's a shame that this didn't, this didn't make it into the show, but in the analysis, um, uh, you you said that 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 moment spoke to you when you were, because because there was there was something in that that spoke to your your um, your racial identity, and um, and mm-hmm. I was uh, I was I was really happy that that there was an opportunity in there for you to like draw on some of those experiences. Um, mm-hmm. um, so like I think that it's cool that we have like these two different approaches to building characters and creating flow where it's like, Lindsay, you've got this idea of like, well, if it, if it's something that my character wouldn't know, then it's kind of confusing for, 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 for Lindsay brain to come in and like identify these gaps in Irsu's knowledge. And, um, but yeah, um, I, and and then for for Elion to be kind of like, uh, in terms of like, like um, uh, like like kind of relying on uh, partially Ali's life experiences, um, to 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 fill some of the to fill some of the truth of that, um, and. Yeah, I think that's really awesome. Um, how about you, Connor? What what uh what um what states of flow, if any, uh, have you identified um uh in in acting as cruel? Um, I I feel bad because I'm still a little unclear on what flow means um (laughs) that's fine (laughs) um 
demon flow in terms of like how I portray him or how like uh, what what do you mean? That's that's fine. I think I I've, I've been using the term kind of loosely. I I um I guess in in any sense of like um how have you been experiencing flow is a better way of phrasing the question. Like how have you been experiencing like um a way of 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 uh time moving differently around you or your character um space kind of moving differently around you or your character emerging of action and awareness a loss of your ego as connor um emerging of yourself with cruel um a feeling of control over yourself and the environment maybe a centering of your um perceptions of of the world in the kind of limited space of the imagination of East that uh, we're all sharing in the moments that I'm kind of projecting it into your heads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like what, when, or like, would it be accurate to say like, when do you feel really present and undistracted with it? I, yeah, that that's, that's definitely another facet of it. Totally. I think I feel most present. Like I, there, there's the biggest moment of like, um, like Connor brain shuts up and cruel brain sort of takes center stage um, in there was like a moment in this session where I was just open to Foxglove and was just like, Hey, why are you doing this? And what, whereas in the more comedic moments, like when I'm just, uh, for the most part goofing around or I find something funny to say that's almost entirely uh <laughs> Connor brain wanting to say something uh, almost yeah. like saying something behind cruel like to use yeah. cruel as a mask or as sort of a disguise um right. but once the more I interact with a very earnest level there was also something which was interesting because I remember talking to Cole uh, about the signet um, and like, hey, buddy, like, what do you think? Like, wh- what do you think about the signet? And Cole got all flushed and like flustered. Um, and I was like, no, 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 no. And it was like a very goofy sort of like, um, you know, rom-com anime sort of <laughs> yeah. <moment>. Um, <laughs> but it what what was weird looking back on that is that it, that was sort of a goofier moment where I didn't feel like Connor talking behind Cruel and more mm-hmm. like oh no this is just a genuinely awkward moment between <laughs> Cruel and Cole um, yeah. Which I think is is really cool. It's, um, and also I don't know if this is relevant or anything, but I have been sort of like meditating on like where we are physically in the because I'm trying to keep like a mental map of like mm-hmm. okay as you're describing these environments, I have to like picture them in my head and also it's handy for me to picture like the places before that as like mm-hmm. leading up to it to sort of picture it as just this big straight line. And I think once we'd gotten to the camp, I was like, 
Okay, so we traveled down a river after passing like this gorgeous fungi uh, mushroom, like bioluminescent, and at the caldera of a mountain, which before that we were marching through the snow, and then before that we were on a ship, and before that. So I, it's it's interesting for me to sort of like keep track of the like place to place and scenario to scenario because I think that has a huge impact on like um, which brain is talking or which brain is uh, taking center stage. And, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um. <clears throat> That reminds me, I have to get you guys some maps because I, you know, I have them. <laughs> I'm just lazy. I don't. <laughs> I've made all these maps, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'm done now. <laughs> um, no, yeah, uh, it's uh, you guys are in in a really cool area that I've I've been building for geez, I've three years. Oh um, wow! It's uh. It's a it's a cool place, um, the place that I that I I've been um, building up, um, this island, this big volcano, um, and yeah, it's it's uh, it plays a big part in like the mythology of of uh, of the the followers of the race uh, the races of the followers um, of the continent of Mont. Um, and basically everyone in the Sea of Refuge because it's right in the middle of it. Um, and it's a big, uh, it's a big feature. Like, so I get, it makes a lot of sense that like, without knowing exactly where you are geographically, it's kind of hard to identify, like, it's hard to feel centered and ground, grounded in the lore. So I, I will do that. I'll send you guys some maps and, um, and, uh, and I'll, I'll be better about like actually providing you with more information about where you are in the world because I have that information and I just keep forgetting to give it to you. <laughs> no, I think, you're, I think you're good. It's it's. I'm also just that 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 is a hundred percent something that I do like in my normal day to day. Is I just sort of like reflect okay. on like moments like kind of like when you get into a random topic in a conversation like how did we get to the here and you felt like oh, oh, right. we talked like this and then that led to this <laughs> conversation and then that and then that i i this is just something that i do in my day-to-day -day is i brief moment where am i what were yeah. the events that led up to that <laughs> that's useful i i need to keep track of you so that i i, I can have i can have I, I can have like a road map through my day <laughs> right right <laughs> where did you come from where did you where go, did you where go? Did you come from, cotton eye joe <laughs> <laughs> um that's awesome yeah uh that's perfect actually um in fact maybe i could have you uh i could even have um could i could make uh if 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 you are good with this character decision i could i could have you um do in character start drawing up some maps 
um, for the for the gang. Like um, like as cruel as cruel. These are cruel's drawings of these are where cruel's we've drawings been. of maps <laughs> where you are. I guys guys I, we, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we little stick we were on a boat for a while. <laughs> it says best buddies and the s's are backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh, that would be so nice. It's also interesting because I feel like how I play Cruel sort of varies from like moment to moment where it's like sometimes he's a fully conscious adult person that is like aware of like, oh, people acknowledging him and like, oh, yes. And sometimes he's just like a weird cryptid. Like he will like, <laughs> um, like fall asleep at the captain's feet to like keep them safe. Um, and then in the same scene, like, hey, why are you doing this to us? <laughs> yeah, like, like waxing poetic about loyalty. <laughs> yeah. I feel like in that way, like cruel is like a. Cruel is like a fourteen-year-old inhabiting like a a six hundred-year-old vampire. Oh, totally. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, cruel is like cruel is like the soul of a the soul of a a a barely tween like person. Yeah. Like, because that he's like he's like he's like just coming into this idea of like, well, you know. Like, I can be an adult sometimes. That's cool. And, like, people are acknowledging me and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, like, also, also, like, I just want to be, like, a weird cryptid also, a, a lot of the time as well. <laughs> right. I think, um, yeah. yeah, there are some moments where I think he's more of, like, at the risk of getting Freudian. Like, he's very much an id-driven. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, like his, de- his desires are only, like, eating trash and, like having friends <laughs> like the it's been not at all like he doesn't really have any loyalties <gasps> to anything but he's more like i want this i want to do this i'm going to say this now right <laughs> where whereas irsu is a uh, 100% super ego yes has completely sublimated all wants and desires yes <laughs> <laughs> does yeah. not know how to interact that's funny. That's interesting as like a, that, that's um, yeah context. yeah. The, the the project of the anthro gang is going to be how to <laughs> how to construct their body without organs. <laughs> is, oops, it's just psychoanalysis it's just again. Like, <laughs> oops, all Freudian. <laughs> oh no! Oh, my worst nightmare is coming true. <laughs> Oops, all Freudian. Uh, I have to like turn this in. I have to turn this in to Professor Kim tomorrow, and I'm gonna be like, Professor Kim, I'm handing in my resignation. I'm actually just <laughs> Carl Jung again. <laughs> oh. Um. Can I? Can, what, can I pose a question to use? Yes. <laughs> um. What? What do we feel like? Given that we feel that flow for us relates to a sense of a a, a strong sense of place and location uh a strong affinity for characters that we're playing and a groundedness in the 
a groundedness in the world and the experiences that that and and in our experiences whether they're the characters of our own what do we make of the relationship between flow and embodiment that's a good question wow i like that question is flow for is flow Uh, yeah what do we think um Connor, I'll let you I'll let you feel that one first because you're you're playing a PC and I'm playing all the NPCs. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> gosh, that's a really good question. I mean, I as as me sort of talking about like the different like, um, when do I feel like cruel and when do I feel like uh, Connor behind a cruel mask? Um, I I definitely feel like the two are sort of linked together that with um with embodiment comes a certain level of like oh you you just sort of like lose yourself or whatever like self there was to begin with and it's more Mm -hmm. like oh okay i am as i am hearing these descriptions and hearing these characters and thinking about what I want to do in this scenario, um, it more and more be I more and more start thinking like cruel and less and less uh, think like you know how would how would Connor react to <laughs> like this uh, a knife fight on a pirate ship versus like oh, well, Cruel can do this, and Cruel is known for doing this. So, yeah, I feel like with... You sort of need one to have the other, I guess. Yeah, that's a really good question. Yeah, I think um, in terms of... I mean, embodiment is is a really... is a really... uh, a really like hot button issue for for me um on this show but i i haven't really gotten into it like discussing it in the analysis segments so much um but it's it's going to be a big part of my senior thesis because um it's kind of the whole reason i do it as a D show rather than writing a book mm. because mm-hmm. if i were just writing a book i would write y'all as characters in a book and like you would just be symbols on a page and i would have you behave however i wanted you to behave but i don't want to do that i want you guys to experience these concepts as people experiencing concepts and embodying characters and like i want me to do that too and then i want everyone else who listens to this podcast like you know (laughs) <laughs> and praying that people will actually listen to this. <laughs> I want people to have an experience, like a sonic experience, an affectual experience when they listen to the podcast and they feel something and they go like, oh my God, that was weird. Mm. Like that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I edit these in post so that um, like I, our first episode, um, I I layered um, my own whispering voice on top of the spore queen when she delivered her prophecy to you, mm. um, so that it sounded like she was talking over herself over and over and over again. So her prophecy sounded like multiple people whispering over again. Mm. Um, 
and there's the music and the sound effects and it all contributes to this very like dense sonic experience that professor kim commented on um as being very effective um towards creating affects <laughs> and um and but like so in in my case like i think embodiment for the characters is important because i'm literally trying to like that's the whole point like i'm trying to embody i'm trying to embody concepts for you guys to interact with mm. the spore queen is supposed to be what happens when this delusian becoming rhizome goes very wrong mm. and um and becomes very self-conscious and uh it, and kind of becomes like a <gasps> disembodied. disembodied a very like drugged body without organs a very cold body without organs um but the 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 vines the order of vines is kind of supposed to be like another facet of that like what if that's when it goes right what if we don't know yet but what if that's when what if that's when the organization of these non-hierarchical power structures can actually do some good in the world and what if this is when these communities can reach out and help each other and and actually contribute like you've essentially met another adventuring party like you met a like a goblin ranger and a orc cleric and whatever right but like that's what these these people are they're adventuring parties but like they play roles <laughs> that's what role-playing games are they you play roles for each other and and the parties are these these units, these larger units of, um, of mutual aid. Like you can't do all this stuff alone. Even if you are magical, you still need a tank and a healer and, you know, someone else like a damage dealer and someone else. And like, it's to encounter all the stuff that you need to encounter, um, in like a Dungeons and Dragons game in a campaign, um, you need multiple people. And, um, those are the things, those are the concepts that I want people to be able to embody through these um through these characters and um so embodiment is is a super like it's something that i could rave about for ages but it's it's really like it, it's a super important issue and i uh when i when i am playing the npcs like um uh some of them are kind of brechtian like yes their gesture means everything mm. like mm. <laughs> she plucks the spore off of her wrist and crushes it and like <laughs> that is political but some of them are more like <laughs> i don't know some of them are less uh some of them are less charged some of them are just like people and they're they're embodying concepts the same as you guys are they're embodying them imperfectly mm. so um yeah. it's uh it's it's a it's a very fun thing to play with <laughs> like i'm certainly like i i don't i i hope i don't pretend to understand all these concepts perfectly i like side note for the listeners i'm an undergraduate i don't know anything <laughs> um, but yeah like i you know I, when i'm when i'm when i'm role playing these these characters i'm doing it imperfectly and and i i I hope that like at, in the process of learning these things, people are learning along with me. And that's the whole point of this show. Like, it's a fun thing to do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah it's, i mean it's, it, yeah it's interesting how uh embodiment which kind of, often people per- say is a prerequisite for flow in terms of like present in terms of uh presence and sensory grounding uh like in in order to like perform yourself fully you have to forget yourself to some extent mm-hmm. which is a fun and spicy contradiction about experiencing the world yeah it's like it's like arto um arto when he stole peyote from the tarahumara um <laughs> when he uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> problematic anton um that we're going to be talking about a lot actually as we uh progress through this caldera um uh, uh antonio arto uh when he did peyote he um called himself a shattered piece of geology he broke his body and um and when when uh when deleuze and guattari talk about this in a thousand plateaus they say um that he said in the judgment of god um that the body was his enemy like a body is no more the body is my enemy what is an organ what is an organism it is like he he was like railing against god and he was railing against his body and he was saying like i don't need this anymore i don't need my organs i don't need i don't need um i don't need like my stomach my anus i don't need like any of this shit like <laughs> um <laughs> I like that it's all digestive. Yeah. yeah. And I feel that as a anyway. <laughs> yeah. So uh so he he was uh it was it was very telling um for for uh Deleuze and Guattari that that um that Arto was saying like the body is his enemy, but not 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 the human self, like not the self. It wasn't it wasn't his selfdom or the organism really that was his enemy it was when it was when god told him that he was a subject it was when god told him that he had to take all of his all of his organs and organize them <laughs> into a subject that was a human person and um be identified as a named human person named antonin arto Ah, the mortifying ordeal of being yes. <laughs> Turn your gaze, ceaseless watcher, upon this wretched thing <laughs> printed upon the ass of my sweatpants. <laughs> <laughs> this place is not a place of honor. <laughs> yeah. Um... But yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about Arto a lot because he he does uh, he does madness very well. He was committed to um, to uh, an institution near the end of his life, um, and you know he did a lot of drugs, um, and this campaign is gonna deal a lot with madness, um, because it's very shroomy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, and you know thresholds, uh, turning turning things into other things, transformations, becomings, all that stuff is is very much a very much a drug region, a transformative hallucinogenic region of of being known um, as a as a human person. Uh, 
um, in these realms. Mm-hmm. Is there any closing thoughts that you guys had? What is a body without organs in one sentence? <laughs> a featherless biped. <laughs> Behold! <laughs> um, okay, let's see. W- sorry, what was, what was that again, Lindsay? It was... What is a body without organs in, like, one sentence? Body without organs. I feel like I can do this. I feel like I can. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I also have a meme for this. Hold up. Uh, but continue, sorry. Oh, man. It's going to take me so long to come up with the perfect definition of a body without organs. But that's the problem, isn't it? Um, Because there isn't really a good definition for it. Um. (laughs) Is this this another... (laughs) Don't dumb it down into some big shit. (laughs) What the fuck are rhizomes? (laughs) Is that on 4chan? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How did you get this text block of my brain? <laughs> like, <laughs> like my thoughts during an average intro class. <laughs> Explain to least to me. Right now. <laughs> this is the problem. Like I I feel like this is the problem with Zoom classes. I can't like corner my professors anymore. <laughs> I can't go like, okay. Don't don't like tell me to read some shit. Like just just tell me Explain what what me. it means. Um, <laughs> tell me what it means. I will not tell me what it means. Uh, okay. So a body without organs is the sort of plane of intensity the 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 closest that i've the closest that i've um come to to a a a simple like uh a good a good um reference for it is the dogon egg the like the egg that's always hatching contemporaneous to the subject um, but it's not like a great analogy, I don't think, because that kind of implies that that kind of implies childhood. I don't know. I I will I will I will have to I will have to get back to you on a good. <laughs> I will have to get back to you on a good like. Um, a uh, uh, boiled down definition of the body without organs because every time I try and go back into a thousand plateaus and look for the good definition of a body without organs it's just like it's the smooth slippery surface across which desiring machines slip and I'm like that doesn't mean anything Jill <laughs> that doesn't help at all I'm convinced no one actually knows like, what this means d- because like I, I kind of I kind of get what what he means by desiring machines slip across it, which is like intensities like traverse you right like 
when you like affects traverse you like like you are they pass through you and you are changed right right like like you're a root system and nutrients pass through you and you're not really any one part of that you're the relationship Mm. um you're the assemblage but i don't know what it means to be a body without organs i don't know what it means to i think it's like i think it's like the locus of experimentation of all those things because that's what a thousand plateaus like that's what the title of the book is that it's from it's from that that's that's essentially what their definition of a body without organs is they they say that the body without organs is the the thousand plateaus it is the um the gregory bateson uh definition of the plane of consistency is the plateau that you're always building the ever mounting plateau um it's always mounting up and you're always building on top of it and and laying down new stuff and it's creating like this this plane across which intensities and affects can kind of roll around and do their thing on which i don't know i wish that anthropologists could talk like normal people sometimes god (laughs) and i i'm saying this with the desire to become one and i already sound like one (laughs) just an empty vessel pure vibes That's the body without the body organs. Without or- like my my Tinder bio is bro chill. I'm literally building a body without organs right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, uh, like I can kind of get what rhizomes are just because I like plants, but not the BWO. Yeah, I get rhizomes. I get rhizomes. Body without organs kills yeah. me. I think I think probably the thing that the thing that makes me the thing that really jogs my noggin about that is that like rhizomes are kind of the same thing as a body without organs like in in the way that I understand it which may be incorrect I don't know I I think that rhizomes like the way that a rhizome spreads and territorializes and like stakes out its claim on like what is real and what um, parts of the earth and of the universe it can communicate with um, and uh, and all that that's essentially the same thing as a body without organs that's always building and experimenting And like, the affects that traverse those networks are the same as an aff- as an affect that traverses the body without organs. That's how I think about it. I don't I don't know if that helps. <laughs> well, here's an excerpt from A Thousand Plateaus that I mm. like. Uh, this is how it should be. Here's how to give yourself a, a healthy body without organs. This is how it should be done. Lodge yourself on a stratum, experiment with the opportunities it offers, find an advantageous place on it, find potential movements of deterritorialization, possible lines of flight, experience them, produce flow conjunctions here and there, 
try out continua of intensities segment by segment, have a small plot of new land at all times. It is through meticulous relation with the strata that one succeeds in freeing lines of flight, causing conjugated flows to pass and escape, bringing forth continuous intensities for a body without organs. So that doesn't really help that much. <laughs> I, I'm going to be think... honest. Okay, so the identity of effects, the continuity of genera, the totality of all bodies without organs can be obtained on the plane of consistency only by means of an abstract machine capable of covering and even creating it by assemblages capable of plugging into desire, of effectively taking charge of desires, of assuring their continuous connections and transversal tie-ins, otherwise the bodies without organs of the plane will remain separated by genus, marginalized, reduced to means of bordering, while on the other plane the emptied or cancerous doubles will triumph. So like, I guess it's very Spinozist in a way, because it's like, what what he, what they're saying is like that the body without organs is this way of um this way of understanding how people communicate and you can't separate them out because they just like you can't define them really you can't really talk about them as if they're separate things um, which is partially why I guess they have such a hard time communicating what they even are. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. that's, that's really frustrating, but I think, like, they do talk about, they do talk about a relationship to Spinoza, um, at some point in that, um, I don't know, I'll find it later, but, um, they do talk about a relationship to, like, the, uh, the the genera and the 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 strata and the kind of species of of god's thought and the like how to identify god's thought and the um the substance of god's thought and like how that kind of translates into like what what types of bodies without organs there are um and it's it's just it's i mean it's yeah. just yeah it's just funny how we're talking about body with bodies without organs all the time and literally no one i know can even like no one i know knows yeah. what the fuck they are no one i know can give a solid definition of a body without organs and i am confident enough in my intelligence to admit that I don't know no, what the fuck I, a body without I, organs I, is. I, I, I agree, and I <laughs> join you in that. I, I will enjoin you in that refrain. I don't... I, I can't give you a good definition of exactly what a body without organs is, because um, I, I know kind of what models they're talking about, and I could kind of, like... I could kind of talk about, like, what they sort of mean by it, but I don't know what I don't, I couldn't, I couldn't give a pithy definition. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's, it's, it's rough. rough. It's rough. I don't, I, I, I wish that, uh, I wish that affect theorists weren't like this TM. Um, weren't God poets. I, I'm still, I'm still trying to get through the introduction to this beast. Um, this is Movement, Affect, Sensation, Parables for the Virtual by Brian Masumi. 
who translated a thousand plateaus oh yeah i yeah that that was a tough one did i understand it not as much as i would have liked to it's got some interesting ideas like i i wanted to incorporate some of them into this campaign but i to be honest i did not feel confident enough (laughs) (laughs) i just didn't i just did not feel good enough about my own my own brain smarts (laughs) i don't think it's a brain smart issue i wish people would just explain i mean like part of it was also just that i don't think some of it was applicable because like he was he was kind of talking in the introduction about like the 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 history of how people get people map like political positionality and like what identity politics even is and that's kind of tangentially related to what we talk about in this campaign but yeah but anyway yeah so that's that's kind of our our big old tangent on bodies without organs. That's the definition of a body without organs, listeners. A big ass tangent. Listeners. Listeners, please enjoy this 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 episode of Rune and Lindsay and Connor and Ollie try to explain what exactly bodies without organs are. Um <laughs> That would no. That'd be a fun podcast. You just have different people on every episode, and they try to explain what is a body. That would be. Organs. Oh my god! Can you imagine like? Can, wait, wait. What if I did? You that? should do what that. You that? should get like Kathleen Stewart <laughs> yeah. and like Misumi on as guests oh eventually. God. Like after you have like hundreds of episodes out, and like you get them to listen to the, some of the episodes of the podcast, and you yeah. you, get, you finally get them on, and they're like, "What the hell were you doing?" <laughs> Like, please tell me. Know, please, please help. Please help, Brian. Please help. <laughs> Brian, I've needed you so much. I've needed you for so long. <laughs> this was just to get your attention. <laughs> Brian, please respond. <laughs> Brian, please I think respond. I tweeted something about Brian Masumi. Honestly, that's I, a thought. Oh yeah. Um, I, I read, I read, uh, his chapter of, I read, I read his translation of one of the Thousand Plateaus chapters, um, uh, Becoming Animal, and I was like, this is definitely about furries, though. Like, this is totally about furries, though. And... When in doubt, it's about furries. And I was like, I I couldn't find Brian Masumi on Twitter, so I was like, someone find Brian Masumi, because I need, I need to, like, I need a new translation of a Thousand Plateaus with, like, a thousand percent more furries. Like... With a thousand percent. I need, I need, like, the word yiffing to make an appearance in a thousand plateaus. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that would make it more interesting. On becoming pig. <laughs> I might know what a body without organ is if it had the word yiffing in the definition. <laughs> Maybe that's the one Explain word it to me in terms I can understand. That was super fun. Holy shit, you guys. <laughs> Thanks for joining us for this segment of Armchair Analysis on Polyvox. Stay tuned next week for some more gameplay. Thanks again for listening.